Welcome. This is Michael Volkoff. Happy New Year to everybody. And this is episode 70 of Corruption, Crime and Compliance. Our episode today is the FCPA Year in Review and Predictions for 2019. Welcome uh, to the podcast for the new year. And we're recording this in Sicily, and that's why I have the uh, wonderful background music of Sicilian folk songs. Um, And welcome. Uh, Hello, everyone. Thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. I hope everybody had a nice holiday and got their new year off to a good start. Before we get started, there are two points I want to make. First, please subscribe to our podcast and rate the podcast to help let other compliance professionals know about the podcast. Second, I wanted to mention that my law firm, the Volkoff Law Group, provides FCPA defense and, uh, more importantly, compliance services. We've represented companies and individuals before the Justice Department and the SEC and had very good results. We have extensive experience in handling FCPA matters as well as assisting companies in the design and implementation of effective anti-corruption compliance programs, conducting assessments and audits uh, on specific issues if if necessary. If you're interested in our services in this area, please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Okay, well, welcome, everybody. Happy New Year. Another year is in the books for FCPA enforcement and compliance. And I'd like to think that, uh, you know, the headline for this past year, like many other years, is or was, the more things change, the more they stay the same. Uh, And in a lot of respects, we're seeing some consistency. Uh, But then I guess I may have to go to my old friend, an old uh, sort of uh, resource in Bob Dylan, and uh, that the times are a-changing. And so that's the question, really, is where do we see the consistency and where do we see some new things and new trends in FCPA compliance? On the consistency side, let's start with FCPA enforcement is bipartisan and it's immune from political wins. Uh, And I may live to regret that uh, prediction, but... Uh, What we're seeing, I think, now is whether the Justice Department is under Republican or Democrat control, uh, FCPA enforcement is pretty steady and pretty consistent. And I think that the adoption of the corporate enforcement policy uh, is definitely starting to take root and beginning to show results. And I think that this year uh, we'll seek more uh, sort of developments in that area. When we get to the predictions area, I'll, I'll talk about that. Um, The numbers, I think, tell uh, a really interesting story this year. Uh, The Justice Department's individual prosecutions increased over 2017, uh, and we had 26 individuals charged this year, and those include those charged with FCPA and money laundering offenses. And I I collect those numbers from uh, the list on DOJ's FCPA enforcement webpage. Uh, There were four declinations that were issued pursuant to the FCPA corporate enforcement policy, two of which involved uh, disgorgement. Also, the total fines and penalties that I'm going to go through in a minute, I did not include amounts that were paid or offset by payments to foreign law enforcement agencies. So, for example, for the uh, Petrobras settlement with DOJ and the SEC, a total of $170 million was included where they each got settlements of $85 million each, roughly. 
but it excluded the discount of the DOJ criminal penalty and the alternative disgorgement to the SEC that was paid uh, to settle the shareholder class action uh, case against Petrobras. Uh, and that was in the $933 million range, as I recall. Anyways, for the year, the Department of Justice, we had five uh, corporate actions, uh, enforcement actions, and uh, we had 26 individuals criminally charged, four declinations, like I noted, and the total fines and penalties uh, was close to a billion. It's about $950 million. The SEC, meanwhile had 14 uh, corporate enforcement actions, four individual uh, enforcement actions, uh, and then uh, for a total uh, penalties and disgorgement amount of about $380 million. And so we get to about $1.33 billion um, in terms of overall settlement uh, penalties and fines. And that's, uh, that's greater than 2017, but uh, by about 200,000, 300,000. Uh, but the real uh, interesting uh, insight here is that the criminal prosecutions of individuals uh, definitely increased this year. Um, uh, the recent changes, though, that we've ta- that you we've talked about before about the Yates memo compliance and all that is really not going to have much uh, impact, at least from my perspective. Uh, in terms of individual criminal prosecutions. It's not going to slow it down. It's not going to, they're still going to bring the same uh, cases that, they, uh, that they, they continue to bring. Um, we're also continuing, I think, to witness the global expansion of coordinated enforcement actions as individual countries join sort of the enforcement fold. This year, for example, we saw France join the club in a big way in the Society General uh, settlement where their uh, banking agency uh, participated uh, in a big role in terms of the FCPA enforcement actions uh, action there. And uh, obviously the UK is already uh, playing a big role, Brazil is playing a big role, and I think we're going to see more countries uh, that will continue to play a role. Uh, let me highlight for this past year there were three big cases uh, that were brought. That was Petrobas case where the Justice Department entered into a non-prosecution agreement but yet got a huge financial settlement. Uh, Panasonic Avionics and Society General, which uh, included Lake Mason. The Petrobas case was just massive in scope and impact with Brazil taking the bulk of the settlement. Uh, like I said earlier, Petrobas paid DOJ and the SEC a total of approximately $170 million. But what was interesting about the case is that uh, they could not even measure or provide a definitive number in terms of the nature and extent of the bribery payments. It was so massive, so large in scope uh, that they couldn't even come up with a number uh, in terms of how much bribery was paid, uh, bribery funds. The Panasonic Avionics case, uh, which at the end of the year, we had a SEC settlement with two of the officers, and we don't know what's going to happen in the criminal side uh, with regard to individual pros- prosecutions. But the Panasonic's Avionics case was bold uh, in that its president, uh, now ex-president, the one who just recently settled Paul Marges, uh, orchestrated a massive bribery scheme using C-suite funds, his own 
sort of budget and personal funds and evaded basic financial controls. Um, Panasonic Avionics also tried to shuffle its third parties by enlisting prohibited third-party agents to serve as sub-agents uh, to approved agents in order to evade uh, due diligence uh, scrutiny. So Panasonic Avionics was an interesting case. Uh, it also involved the appointment of a corporate monitor, which I think we're going to see less and less of, uh, and involved a situation where uh, Paul Marges, the president or CEO, depending upon the time frame you look at, uh, hired a state-owned airline official as a consultant during the bidding process while that uh, state-owned official was involved in the uh, selection and ultimate contract with uh, Panasonic, Panasonic Avionics. And over the course of several years, uh, they paid this consultant $875,000 for little to no work. Um, so that was uh, the bulk of this uh, settlement uh, conduct. I mean, there was more, and it's quite interesting in terms of underscoring the dangers of uh, C-suite risks. The Society General case involved uh, the payment of $585 million for FCPA violations and uh, $275 million in a separate LIBOR matter uh, and involved bribes to Libya's uh, Qaddafi era uh, officials. This was under the Qaddafi era uh, administration. And uh, Society General paid half of the penalty to the French banking regulator that I mentioned, Parquet National uh, Financier. Leg Mason, a private equity fund that assisted in the bribery scheme, agreed to pay uh, $64 million in criminal penalties. Um, and basically, the conduct involved Sok Jen uh, uh, paid $90 million to a Libyan intermediary who in turn bribed Libyan officials uh, relating to $3.6 billion in investments with Libyan banks and sovereign wealth funds. Uh, Sakjen entered into a deferred pro prosecution agreement and simultaneously resolved uh, the LIBOR manipulation charges. Um, and so they paid $292 million to the U.S., uh, $275 million to resolve the LIBOR charges to the U.S., uh, $475 million to the CFTC, and $292 million to France, uh, France's regulator. The CFTC related to the uh, manipulation of the LIBOR. Uh, Leg Mason just played a much lesser role. Two senior officials at the subsidiary assisted in placing these investments and the non-prosecution, their non-prosecution agreement, they paid uh, $64.2 million and $32 million of that went to the SEC. One other case uh, worth mentioning is the Credit Suisse case uh, where we had uh, a relationship hiring scheme uh, where Credit Suisse uh, hired uh, Chinese uh, sons and daughters or relatives uh, to encourage and basically confirm award of increased business to Credit Suisse. Uh, the hires did not have the qualifications nor the technical uh, skills, and in fact, uh, Credit Suisse managers drafted a false CVs sometimes to cover the tracks. A uh, hundred employees were placed at the re request of Chinese officials. So the criminal penalty uh, for Credit Suisse uh, 
was $47 million to the Justice Department, and they only got a 15% discount off the bottom of the guideline range because it was not a voluntary disclosure. Their cooperation was not really uh, fulsome. It was reactive. Uh, And they also failed to discipline various uh, employees. Uh, They also got Credit Suisse paid a $30 million penalty and disgorgement to the SEC for this conduct. And this is the fourth in a series of uh, hiring and bribery cases under the FCPA. We had BNY Mellon, Qualcomm earlier, and J.P. Morgan Chase. So, um, uh, like I mentioned, we had 26 uh, for 2018. Uh, we had uh, 26 individuals who were prosecuted for FCPA and related money laundering charges. And about one half of those individuals were charged as part of the ongoing, you know, growing and becoming massive Petavesa investigation. Um, DOJ continued to fine-tune its corporate enforcement policies. Um, you know, the FCPA corporate enforcement policy has been expanded now as non-binding guidance on all criminal prosecutions of corporations. Uh, Further, DOJ expanded the FCPA corporate enforcement policy to apply to mergers and acquisitions that involve potential uh, FCPA violations. We also saw DOJ issue the anti-piling on policy and modify the Yates Memorandum. Uh, And uh, like I said, these are really not going to have much impact, in my view, and in particular on FCPA policy, because these policies have been sort of applied in principle prior to the formal announcement of these changes. Um, In the compliance arena, it related to anti-corruption compliance, uh, DOJ and the SEC, and the SEC in particular, are continuing to focus on corporate internal controls Uh, and adherence to aggressive remediation uh, requirements. Um, The SEC has been really detailed in its payment uh, to uh, its invoice to payment processes, um, and they really want to see sort of robust controls, and uh, they're more than willing to question when they don't work uh, and how people are able to evade or circumvent the controls. So they've identified weaknesses in internal controls in their enforcement actions, and they've held companies to a really high standard when it comes to following uh, internal controls. Uh, To the point of due diligence, we've had cases where uh, due diligence was not conducted or not completed, even when there was a red flag. Uh, uh, We've had C-suite risks identified through, obviously, Panasonic Avionics case, uh, we had in several SEC cases, gifts and entertainment issues coming up again. Uh, and uh, like I said, the focus is on internal controls in terms of invoice to payment processes, legal reviews, financial authorizations, uh, and financial auditing, uh, you know, questions related to uh, some of those um, poli- you know, policies and practices. Um, In the remediation front, DOJ and the SEC are requiring companies to terminate and discipline senior executives and responsible persons for violations under, really, they're applying a broad standard of new or should have known standard as part of uh, remediation requirements and discipline. In other words, 
that people have to be fired, also people have to be disciplined and lose uh, financial benefits uh, in a case where, let's say, they should have known uh, they were a manager and should have known about certain uh, activities and they didn't. Um, So companies that seek the benefits of the FCPA corporate enforcement policy are going to have to meet those rigorous uh, remediation requirements. And it really um, underscores what the expectation is. And I think a growing trend, one of them, put it in the times they are changing, category of uh, uh, rigorous uh, discipline and um, rigorous uh, termination uh, requirements uh, when you find misconduct. So uh, I think, you know, as, as we look uh, into the future in this area, we're, still, we're going to see continuing pushes in that area of remediation, but also in third-party risk management platforms and automation, auditing and training of your third parties, uh, and a continued expectation on the review and testing and audit of your compliance program, and obviously maintaining uh, adequate resources, authority, board reporting, uh, and making sure that the CCO is given the authority, that the independence and the authority uh, that they need. So 2019, what is going to happen? What are we going to see happen in the FCPA area? Is, are we back to the times they are changing? Or the more things uh, change, the more they stay the same. Uh, and I, you know, I looked back actually in my predictions for 2018 and 2017. Uh, some I actually got right. Uh, one consistent error that is just baffling to me is that the Walmart FCPA case, uh, I thought each of the past two years was going to get resolved. It still has not been resolved. So this year I'm using reverse psychology and I'm telling you that I think and predicting for you that the FCPA Walmart case will not be resolved in 2019. Uh, One of the predictions that I am proud of is uh, in 2018, I predicted that there would be 25 individual criminal prosecutions in 2018, and I was off by one. We had 26. Uh, For 2019, I'm going to go out on a limb and predict we will get to 35 criminal prosecutions uh, easily. Uh, The Justice Department's resources are clearly focused in this area. Uh, and I think that uh, uh, the U.S. Attorney's offices are in the Southern District of New York and uh, Southern District of Florida, I'm sorry, and in the Southern District of Texas in Houston are both uh, generating a fair amount of cases in the FCPA area. One related to uh, Petavesa in Houston and the other one uh, related to uh, money laundering, some Petavesa uh, activity, but um, basically um, bringing in a lot of people from the Caribbean or the Latin America uh, area markets and areas. So let's look at uh, some more predictions for 2019. Sort of aside from the increase in the number of individual FCPA-related criminal cases, and these will be FCPA money laundering and money laundering charges, uh, the number of declinations that we had under the FCPA corporate enforcement policy is definitely going to increase, I think, Uh, We had four separate declinations, two of which uh, included disgorgement in 2018. And in 2019, we're going to be up to eight to ten declinations. Um, And this is under the FCPA corporate enforcement policy. And this is separate from declinations for other reasons. 
This is where you take advantage of the requirements of the FCPA corporate enforcement policy, and I think we'll get up to 10. Uh, Second, I think the UK's serious fraud office, um, under the new leadership of a United States uh, attorney, uh, Lisa Osofsky, uh, is going to play even a larger role in bribery prosecutions in coordination with the U.S., and particularly with respect to individuals. The Rolls-Royce case and the division of individual prosecutions, to me, is a very um, sort of trend-setting, and uh, it's going to be an area where they're probably going to um, increase cooperation. So we'll see more cases. Uh, The UK SFO has been bringing a fair number of uh, individual cases, and I think that's going to continue. Um, I don't, uh, another prediction for 2019, I don't think we're going to see many corporate monitors. Uh, I think it's even possible that there not, may not even be any monitors assigned in any case. Uh, I also think uh, besides the new policy that came out from the Justice Department, uh, the Defense Council are getting much more adept at remediation and enhancement of co- corporate compliance programs. And they're doing this in a way to foreclose appointment of corporate monitors. One objective often in these uh, settlement contexts is to avoid a corporate monitor for obvious reasons. Um, I do think we're going to see a new undercover case uh, involving the use of an informant and undercover officers in 2019. Uh, The last undercover cases that we've seen was the Baptiste case, which involved corruption in Haiti, and there was Title III wiretaps and undercover recordings. And then there's also part of the Petavesa case, which involved recordings conducted conducted by an informant. Uh, So 2019, we're likely to witness a new undercover case involving corruption, new separate investigation possibly with Title III wiretaps, but at least with an undercover or informants and recordings. Um, So let's now take a step back for 2019. What are the sort of big cases that we expect to see resolved? Um, We're still waiting the resolution of several significant corporate cases, uh, aside from Walmart, which will not be resolved in 2019, uh, continuing my reverse psychology. Um, The cases to watch to me, the new big case clearly is the Goldman Sachs case and the 1MDB uh, scandal in um, Malaysia. And I think it's going to continue to dominate FCPA enforcement headlines. It's the next big case. It's being closely followed. It has the perfect balance of important issues, which is you have significant misconduct. You have the company arguing that these were rogue employees or rogue third-party agents that uh, they circumvented the controls and they should and there was no way Goldman Sachs should have known about these circumvention. Uh, on the other hand, you have that this was so much money and was on the radar screen of senior management that they uh, should have known and probably did know, and that's uh, sort of the tension between the case and what Goldman Sachs ultimately is responsible for. So it's the next big case. It's going to be closely followed. Uh, Note recently that Malaysian prosecutors uh, announced criminal charges against Goldman Sachs. Uh, DOJ's investigation and uh, handling of this matter is definitely going to be closely scrutinized. Uh, If the case gets resolved this year, uh, it's more likely to go into 2020, but if it does, it'll be late in 2019. 
A couple other cases, a few other cases that are worth mentioning. We have the Erickson case, which has been on the books or on the disclosure books uh, since 2013. Erickson, the Swedish uh, telecom uh, equipment company, uh, they've continued to disclose updates about the investigation and its discovery of issues and potential code violations. And given its long history, this case uh, hopefully will conclude sometime in 2019. Uh, another big case is the Microsoft case, which uh, it just continues to live under the radar screen. Uh, you know, frankly, I expected it to settle uh, years ago, but unfortunately, it continues to lag. And we just had a new disclosure this year by Microsoft that they are investigating potential misconduct involving distributors in Hungary. This is in addition to other countries that have been disclosed previously in terms of Italy, China, and Romania, but little else is known about the case. It's uh, clearly a case that's focused on the channel partners, uh, and uh, they don't. there hasn't been as robust a disclosure by Microsoft about this, but uh, hopefully we'll get to the end of the, uh, the case this year. Uh, Fresenius is the last specific case I want to mention that was predicted to end last year, um, uh, but uh, and early in this 2018, Fresenius announced a reserve of about $245 million uh, for a possible FCPA settlement. This amount was recently increased by $86 million in October 2018. Uh, I would think that this case should be resolved in the four- first quarter of 2019. Um, as we see, the FCPA pipeline of cases uh, continues to grow. Uh, in 2018, the number of disclosures of new investigations exceeded 100, more than, uh, than in 2017. And some of the significant new or ongoing investigations uh, include Airbus, uh, Glencore Mining, uh, General Electric, um, CHS, Inc., the uh, agriculture company, and Cognizant Technology. Uh, there are definitely more for sure, but these are just a sample of some of the uh, ongoing investigations. All in all, an interesting year, uh, and I think it's going to be an even more interesting uh, 2020. So let's close it out, and we'll thank Bob Dylan again for bringing us to the close here. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower, and financial performance is higher we can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve your goals. Oh.
strong senators, congressmen, please heed the call. Don't stand in the doorway, don't lock up the hall. For he that gets hurt will be he who has stalled. The battle outside region will soon shake your windows and rattle your walls. For the times they are changing. Mothers and fathers throughout the land And don't criticize what you can't understand Your sons and your daughters are beyond your command Your old road is rapidly aging Please get out of the new one if you can't lend your hand For the times they are changing The curse it is cast The slow one now Will later be fast As the present now Will later be past The order is rapidly fading And the first one now Will later be last For the times They are a 